build your own farm. We're gonna show you how. Hello and welcome back to Build Your Own Funnel. This is the podcast where we, inbound marketers, teach you, remodelers, how to build your own marketing and sales funnel. We are never shy about diving into the weeds and giving concrete examples of campaigns that we have seen and run that have worked, boosting sales for remodelers like yourself. I am your co-host, Malachi Price, Builder Funnel's inbound marketing consultant. Today, I am joined, as usual, by Builder Funnel president and co-host of this podcast, Danielle Russell, and our consultant specialist and live DJ, Matt Ehrlich. Hello, Mario. <laughs> today, <laughs> today, we are talking about website health score. What the hell is a website health score, and how do you increase it? Because you'd be surprised. It's, it's pretty important. Uh, but for starters, um, I'm going to disappoint you guys on this one, but are we drinking anything interesting today? B-Y-O what? B-Y-O coffee? B-Y-O-C? Coffee. Coffee? I'm drinking water. You know, yeah, I know. As you guys know, I can't drink caffeine, but I think, man, today I was really craving some. I might I might get myself a cup of decaf just to get that like little like 10 milligrams of caffeine in my life. Um, Why can't you have caffeine? It, it's like a blood sugar thing. Um, I don't know how to explain it. Like, you know, you know that feeling that you have when you have too much caffeine. You're just like super jittery and frustrated and anxious. Mm, no. I get like that. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> that happens to normal people um, uh, when they have too much caffeine. Um, but I'll get like that even after just like a single cup of caffeine or coffee, I should say. Anyway, how about marketing? How about we talk about marketing <laughs> instead of Mal's health conditions? Um, website health score. What What even is this, Danielle? What the hell is a website health score? Why do we care? Well, a website health score is exactly, it's just that, really. It is the, it is a number assigned to your website based on how it's performing, how it's functioning, and really how healthy it is. So there are a ton of contributing factors to this, but most importantly, why you want a high health score, 100 being the highest, one being the lowest, would be so that you're ranking because Google prefers healthy websites. That is a signal to them that we care about the content on the website, the functionality of the website, the flow, the user experience, and everything in between. So those are probably sound like a lot of buzzwords. We're gonna talk about a lot of that, but some of the biggest contributing factors that make a big difference would be, for example, optimized imagery and adding new content, as well as focusing on user experience on the website and on individual pages as a whole. So the mini case study we're gonna be talking about today, one of our teammates, Liz, who has been on this podcast before, she has a client who in the span of <laughs> from April of 2022 to May of 2022, she improved her client's health score, her, web her website health score from a 78 to an 88. And this is a huge jump for anyone who isn't used to tracking website health scores this is that's the kind of jump that we might see in like a quarter or even six months of chipping away at anything that might be wrong on a client's website so we're going to jump into some of the details 
month by month from April to May of the improvements that she made and break those, those strategies and tactics down for you. So in April, her biggest focus was optimizing imageries that were way too large on the website. So Mal, can you break down for us a little bit? Um, how is that an impediment on a website? Why is that a bad thing? And um, how does optimizing imagery improve a health score? Can you say break down again? Break it down. <laughs> yeah, happily. Um, yeah, when it comes to images, I, I feel like I always want to try to give real world examples. So I'm wondering if you, dear listener, um, have you ever, has this ever happened to you? Have you been on a website where you open the page and then everything's like shifting around and you have images that instead of having an image, you just have a little logo that shows an image should be here, but it didn't load yet and stuff like that. If you're anything like me, you're like, this is annoying. I don't have time for this crap. And you leave the website. That's why you get dinged for things like this. Um, the reason that an image wouldn't load quickly on a website in general, and your website is not exempt to this, um, is that the imagery is just too large. The file size is too large. We have to remember that, um, you know, not everyone has the highest speed internet like, like NASA. Uh, it takes a while to load images, especially if those images are really large in their file size. So, all of this to say, you want to make sure that you optimize your images so that they are ideally below 100 kilobytes if you can get them to be that small without them looking like crap. Um, and that will help your website health score, not to mention a bunch of other things, um, because Google wants to see that you have a user-friendly website. When people go to your website and they see that you have a bunch of slowly loading images, they're going to bounce. And by the way, that's not just um, that's not just slang. That's actually like there's something called a bounce rate, which is the rate of people who, after visiting a web page, don't look at any of the other web pages on your site, and they'll just bounce uh, from your website. The more that you have people doing that, the more that Google is like, well, this website is crap. So um, let's not send as many people to this website. Let's give them lower keyword rankings because people who are looking up these keywords and visiting their website clearly don't like what they see and they're leaving. So all of this to say, make sure that your images are optimized so that you can improve your health score, among other things. Yeah, thank you. Um, something that I think is also important to note in regards to alt text um, so the first thing that you mentioned about if the file size is too large and it won't load because someone has limited internet. Another reason why that's so important outside of just the SEO value of that image being able to rank for certain keywords, for example, or describing the, the image on that page, let's say someone um, isn't able to see the image, um, whether they are blind or even um, if you're sitting in a sunny spot and you can't see your screen, uh, Google has functionality that it can read alt text to you. So you can understand what the image is supposed to represent. 
And that is critical to website health scores now also because Google wants the internet to be ADA compliant. And essentially what that means is the internet is a public domain and anyone with any form of disability should also be able to access your website equally. So it is critical to actually have alt text, not just for SEO value, but also because it makes your website healthier and more available to everyone who could be researching design build remodeling in this moment. For sure. You know, this is something I want to learn more about too, because I have, I'm under the impression that most websites are not ADA compliant. Um, and you know, the obvious ding for that is that you're not going to rank as well as Google, but I wonder if eventually they're going to be like legal liabilities or. Oh, it's happening. Know. It's happening already. Yeah. Um, for certain. So there are different levels. We're going to go off on a tangent, dear listener. Uh, I'll keep it mini though. It'll be brief. Um, there are different levels of uh, compliance right now. And I think we need to be at level three, if I remember correctly, but there are, um, so if your website is less compliant than that, you can be sued. And um, I don't know the difference between the different levels, unfortunately. I just know like what the standards are for the level we need to be at. But a few other examples would be like, um, if your color gradient isn't, uh, there isn't enough contrast. So for people who have like a gray background to their website and your text is white, I mean, that would, that would be rough regardless, but that's an example of like, you would totally fail that because even a normal person with normal eyeballs can't read that very well, right? That's literally a crime so. against humanity. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, or for example, this is a, this is one that still comes up pretty frequently on our team. Best practice is uh, for if you are linking something, a hyperlink, it has to be underlined also because just changing color text which is like a cute and dis design aesthetic way to showcase that, hey, click me, this is a link. Um, for someone who's colorblind, they might not see the color change and therefore an underline is for them, that is their cue that this is a link. So there, there are lots of little rules like that, that are, that's level three. So if you're not doing that, you're already not in compliance. It wasn't that, you couldn't that even be considered I guess like a form of like discrimination because it's like yes. you're essentially yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. like essentially locking out a specific group of people from accessing your services which otherwise like you wouldn't say no if a blind person was like hey I want to remodel my home so if it's like exactly. just kind of forward thinking yeah and this is uh, a conversation that we have pretty frequently around the importance of website design versus performance and being ADA compliant, having an accessible website is, that's about performance. We're trying to follow all the rules, but not just that, you know, we're also trying to do the right thing. It's core value here at Builder Funnel. And <laughs> um, yeah, so those are just a, a couple more reasons why it's super critical to increase your website health score. The higher it is, uh, that means you're hitting all of these marks in Google's eyes, including being compliant. I have a question. I know legally I'm not allowed to talk this much during the podcast. Um, but it's a do you special know, case. I, 
special case scenario where I actually know what I'm talking about. Um, I mean, I'm going to throw a sound effect in there. Bruh. Okay. Uh, I know, for example, you have like HubSpot's like website grader where you can plug your website in and it'll pull up, you know, whatever you can do, hrefs, stuff like that to for scores, performance, stuff like that. Is there something, an equivalent that you could plug in your uh, website to and it'll actually tell you if you're being compliant and it'll call out those things? Is that like something that exists? Yes. We primarily, um, so we have, <laughs> we have a front end developer on our team, Caitlin, and she handles that. So I know she has tools that can perform audits like this, just like we use Ahrefs. We being our builder funnel team, we use Ahrefs as our like SEO auditing, website health score auditing, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and yes, there, there are plenty of tools that can do that. And there are also plenty of tools that once running it through your audit, if it's um, if your score is low or if you're not compliant with the right levels, uh, there are tools that can help get you there. Like they implement those changes for you. So our internal equivalent of what you're asking for, Matt, is for me, it's just Caitlin. Mm -hmm. Caitlin, is this website ADA compliant? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and of course, Did you say do... equivalent? Hey everyone, this is editing in post, Matt. Uh, in this section, I make a complete ass of myself and I mishear something Mal says. Um, I'm not gonna give him the power over me uh, to make fun of me about this. So I'm just gonna kind of block out this whole section with me talking. Um, hope you guys are doing great. Um, shout out to Ireland. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, enjoy the rest of the podcast. A very close look. She, she's our sleuth, basically, our in-house website sleuth, and uh, determine any individual part of their website that is not ADA compliant, among other things. Um, so she's our expert for that. And, yeah, I don't know where I was going with this. I just really like Caitlin, and I miss her. She At the time of this recording, she's, <laughs> she's on baby leave, and, and we want her back. We love you, Caitlin. We love you, Caitlin. Okay, anyway, Aww. sorry, tangent. Um, so, Danny, tell us some more about this particular case study. The work yeah. we did, the results that we saw. Totally. So that was April. And then in May, Liz said they focused on conversion SEO work. So being able to, now that the, the website is working better, there's more functionality, um, the pages are loading because images are the right size. They're optimized. They have alt text, all of that great stuff and tiny technical details. They're able to now turn their focus into once someone gets to this website page, can we help them convert? How do we make this website more conversion friendly? So Mal, can you talk us through some of the best practices in terms of conversion and optimizing websites to convert and generate new leads? Yeah, for sure. Um, honestly, when it comes to conversions, I like to think pretty simplistically about this. Every website should have a con uh, sorry. Every web page should have a conversion opportunity. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any uh, exceptions to that rule. Um, so whether that be a form or a CTA, every single page should have a conversion opportunity, and the. Um, 
the seriousness of that conversion opportunity, I'm going to call it, should depend on how high in the funnel that piece of content is for the buyer's journey. And I just threw out a whole bunch of crap that I feel like I need to explain in more detail. So, for example, when I'm talking about high, how high in the funnel something is, uh, if it's a blog about um, how much does it cost to remodel a kitchen, we're talking about maybe the middle of the funnel top-ish middle. If we're talking about just uh, the best uh, kitchen colors, the best kitchen backsplashes, we'll say, for 2023, then that's a top-of-the-funnel thing. People who are reading that might not even necessarily know for sure that they want to do a remodel yet or who they want to do it with. They're just kind of, it's almost like browsing Pinterest, you know. Um, so when you're on pages like that that are more top-of-the-funnel, the conversion opportunity that you give, the CTA that you give, probably shouldn't be, hey, contact us. Maybe it's too soon for that. Maybe that's where you want to have a CTA be for maybe another piece of, it, it could even just be another blog that's further down the funnel. For example, you could that's when you could be moving them to a cost blog. Or that could be when you're moving them to a premium content campaign that you have, such as, uh, what does the design build remodeling process look like? Um, or you could have a piece of premium content that specifically lays out all the different costs associated with remodeling. But the point is that it's a conversion opportunity that doesn't feel as serious. It doesn't feel like there's as much commitment yet because you don't want to be making, uh, you don't want to have your conversion opportunities be bottom of the funnel until they are on pages where they are kind of in the bottom of the funnel. Danielle, am I explaining myself sufficiently? Should I should I elaborate more on some of these terms? No, you nailed it. So basically top of the funnel is people are just starting their research journey. Let's say they're just learning about trends, ideas. Uh, middle of the funnel, we're starting to talk about like cost, process, timeline. Bottom of the funnel is, hey, I think you're already talking to us. How about you schedule a consultation? And different pieces of content are geared towards those different um, levels of the funnel. And so they're therefore relevant for both whatever, let's say if you're putting a call to action in a blog that is related to cost, you want to take them to your cost guide. And then as the follow-up, let's say they download your design guide, or sorry, your cost guide, then the follow-up would be schedule a consultation, would be the thank you page that they land on. So you're just always meeting people where they are, and then if they're ready, providing that next step to bring them down the sales funnel. Totally. I'm going to introduce one exception to my own rule, which is that if you're on a core website page, particularly the home page, you probably do want to have a button or a form somewhere for them to just contact you directly. Um, even even if that might seem like it contradicts what I said before, those are actually opportunities for you to get those more bottom of the funnel conversions, but also make sure that on those same pages, you have more top of the funnel conversion opportunities. So this is why I always recommend that on any core service page or the home page, you have a couple conversion opportunities. One of them probably should be to uh, a contact us form or a CTA to the contact us page and then one or two or maybe more depending on the length of the page CTAs for pieces of premium content probably but the point is 
you want your website to be performing well and part of what performs well not just for your own sales funnel but in the eyes of google is that you're converting people once they get to your website and that's why ctas are relevant to what we're talking about which is improving your website health score great so some of the examples specifically that liz implemented liz and her team uh, they added more calls to action for campaigns to help increase lead conversion opportunities. They optimized the Contact Us page for lead conversion, so it was easier to just link right to that page and people could get there, learn about the company, and then fill out the form. But then they also optimized the form by beefing it up a bit. So the Contact Us page form is essentially on its own a lead qualification process now too. So people have to answer more questions. It's not just first name, last name, email, which is a very common contact us form. This asks more about timeline, um, the neighborhood someone wants to build in, and um, I think also cost ranges. So a little bit of pricing. And those are probably the, yeah, right? Those are probably the three most common ways to qualify a lead, right? When people call you, they probably ask, do you build here? If you're a custom home builder or do you remodel here, um, how much is it going to cost and how long does it take? So those are all in the form and our clients therefore will know as soon as someone fills out the form if they're even a qualified lead. And uh, they also improved the header user experience. So when someone lands on the Contact Us page, they just like Mal was saying earlier, they don't bounce right away. First of all, it loads and it's optimized, but also it gives a great snapshot without having to scroll at all. So you know exactly what this customer does and uh, if they're a good fit for you. And that, dear listener, is how you go from a 78 to an 88 in 60 days. C plus, B plus. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They are now passing. Um, well, to the be fair, <laughs> uh, health score that we're always shooting for is like between 75 to 85 is good. We're always trying yeah. to get above that, of course, but just for some context of what these numbers even mean. So, um, some other, some other things that Liz wanted to highlight in particular, uh, when we first started working with this client, they only had about three or four actual website pages. If I remember correctly, they had the home page, I think a process page and a contact us page. And that was, and maybe the floor plans page and that was it. And so over the past, however long we've been working with this client over nine months of website uh, between optimizing those pages and creating new content, we've been able to publish all kinds of new pages that really uh, are helping rank and improve the health score even further because people are going to the website, converting, spending more time on the site. So there's, yeah, thank you. A key distinction between new content, which is what I just mentioned, publishing new pages and also ongoing SEO work. So the difference here being, let's say uh, we published a brand new website for you and it was at 100% health score tomorrow in two weeks, wow. we'd already be needing to do, I know, 
we'd already be needing to do ongoing SEO because right. Google changes their algorithm so quickly. Uh, we're still always learning um, how your users interact with your website and trying to optimize form fills, new lead conversions, all of that kind of stuff. So Mel, can you walk us through the difference, what the goals are, the differences between new content versus ongoing SEO? Yeah, totally. Um, new content is where you want to be evaluating whether there are uh, content gaps on your website. So what I mean by that is anything that might be on the mind of someone visiting your website, whether it be about cost or about what to expect in terms of how long a project would take or even just what design features they want. Um, all of that is part of essentially on your website, you want to make sure that there are no gaps in that content, that you have content that covers all of the things that you think your visitors might be interested in. And that's what new, that's what new content is about. It's about trying to fill those gaps. Whereas when it comes to optimizing pre-existing blogs, like say you have, um, we have some clients who've been with us for just years and years. And at this point they have a blog about pretty much everything. Um, and that isn't to say that every year we don't find new content gaps, new content opportunities, but we get to the point where for the most part, we just want to optimize the pre-existing blogs because we have a blog for almost everything and make sure that those pre-existing blogs are up to snuff with what Google wants now with how the keywords have changed. For example, you might have, um, you could have a blog that is ranking number one for 2020 kitchen remodeling trends in Seattle. But um, it's not 2020 anymore, honey. Uh, it's time to find those 2022 keywords. Oh, oh scary. I, I don't even know what, what? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> that was, that was a label for that. <laughs> I was I'm trying sorry. to hit bra. <laughs> okay, uh, bruh, I totally lost my train of thought. Um, we. We, uh, uh, Danny, help me out here. What the hell was I talking about before Matt threw me off? We're trying to rank for 2022 trends now. Yes. Holy cow. Okay. <laughs> Which is why we're optimizing the stuff that, you know, even if you, even if you're ranking number one for 2020 keywords, 2021 keywords, those aren't relevant anymore. Why would anyone be looking that up? Um, if anyone's looking up 2020, uh, design trends, it's because they're probably making fun of them and saying which design trends are outdated. Um, but anyway, the point being, you want to optimize that stuff, not even just the stuff that has a year specifically mentioned, but things change. If you have a blog that's on uh, how to get approved for, um, I, I know that uh, we have some clients in certain cities, you have to uh, appeal to certain historical associations locally in order to be able to do certain kinds of remodeling to homes that are in historical districts, for example. Those rules change. Sometimes they change every year. Um, so you want to go back into those pre-existing pieces of content and making sure that they're all up to date. They're all up to date for the times, for the new keywords, and for what people are talking about. I'll give one last example. Um, if you're talking about, uh, let's say, home remodeling trends very generally, 
one of the most important things you could be talking about is all of the remodeling trends that are uh, post-COVID, so to speak. So home office remodeling or even acoustic treatment remodeling because people are working from home and they don't want to hear their kids screaming in the next room while they're working. Just a few more examples. Yeah, very helpful. So essentially new content is going for ranking new keywords uh, and then existing and ongoing SEO is trying to improve current rankings and keeping things current. Great. Um, Okay, so (laughs) uh, I think we're wrapping it up here. This is a longer episode because I did go off on a nice little tangent about website accessibility, which I think is important. That's an important topic. Um, Mel, I think we have a big announcement this week. Mm, I think so. Uh, I think I was, I want you to talk about it. We have, we have two. Start with the little one. Start with the one that we always talk about. Dear listener, if you have been listening and ranking us as number 62 in the business category in Ireland, we love you. And we hope you will leave us a review. If you do so, I will personally mail you a copy of the Remodeler Marketing Blueprint, How to Attract Quality Leads, increase sales and dominate your competition by Spencer Powell. Spencer is the CEO here at Builder Funnel. He took everything that we do, all of our best practices, all of our standard operating procedures, put them in a book. So you can take this, you can implement everything that you're hearing on this podcast. Uh, You can implement that and be successful on your own without us. So please just leave a review and I will send you a copy of that book. That's the small announcement. Okay, what's the big one? The big big announcement, yeah. So if you were at Summit this week, if you're at Remodelers Advantage Summit this week and you were in DC, then you probably came to our booth and you probably already heard this. You're the, you got the insider scoop. But the big announcement is that Builder Funnel, our team of experts, including Caitlin, (laughs) we will be launching a website theme for design build remodelers. So essentially we are combining the design element, but really emphasizing the performance side of websites. All too frequently people come to us, they have a pretty website, but it has a maybe 0.1% conversion rate, let's say, right? Like super, super low. So we have a theme that we can implement for you in a matter of weeks and you will be live on this new theme that is designed around lead generation and actually ranking for important keywords, lead qualification, all of those best practices that you've ever heard us talk about on this podcast will already be live on your site. So reach out to us. We're launching soon. Uh, Reach out to S Powell at builderfunnel.com that is Spencer and he will be sure to book a call with you we can talk about this new website theme and we're super excited about it that's kind of a huge deal it's a pretty huge deal because uh, let me know if I'm understanding this correctly Danny but this means that any remodeler can take this template that we know performs well and have their website be that essentially but customized to their own to their own brand 
hundred percent. So yeah, this means that if you, if you're looking to improve, let's say maybe you don't have a website that just gave me goosebumps, the thought of that, but if your website <laughs> isn't performing at the level that you need it to, because your website should be your number one salesperson, right? I know we say this all the time, but it is working for you 24 seven. And if it is not delivering leads at the level that you need it to, I hope you'll reach out to us. This is really designed for you. And we will take your brand, your content, we will make it better and publish it. And your website will be performing at the current standards of web accessibility, design, performance, lead generation, all of it. Okay, that's really exciting stuff. Anything else we want to talk about before we wrap for the day, Danny? I don't think so. I think those are the the big hitters. If you have any questions, like I said, please reach out to Spencer and he'll book a call and we'll start talking. We'll get you on the wait list. Cool. All right. Well, cue the music, Matt. We're going to call that the end of our episode. Thank you again for listening. Thanks as always for listening. Shout out once again to Ireland for ranking us number 62 in the business category in podcasts. Make sure to get a copy of the book and make sure to reach out to Spencer Powell if you want to talk to him about this website template. See you soon. <laughs>